API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code Intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Um, so we've uh, had a couple of guests on before we kind of talk about, you know, uh, consuming APIs from lots of different things is hard and how can we make that easier, um, which I think we can all sympathize with or, you know, uh, have some experience of trying to integrate too many things and having it all fall apart. So I'm looking forward to you know sharing some of the learning from Eric Yu uh, from Rudder. Uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you guys do at Rudder. Yeah, um, I'm Eric. I'm one of the co-founders of Rudder. Uh, we've been around, been around for, I think, you know, two years at this point. Um, basically, we're a universal API, API aggregator uh, for a lot of different kinds of business software, um, e-commerce platforms like Shopify and Amazon, accounting systems like Zero uh, and QuickBooks, and then some payment systems like Stripe and PayPal and, and Chargebee. Um, and so we standardize all of those APIs into kind of a unified format so that people don't have to read, you know, 20 different kinds of documentation. Uh, and then we just make that um, one API to work with. Got it. Um, I mean, what do typical kind of customers look like for you guys as far as who's looking to integrate with all the different things? Yeah, I would say for us, it falls into two main buckets. Um, one is basically more focused on e-commerce. So a lot of e-commerce ecosystem apps like marketing tools and uh, new ways to like marketplaces, ways to new places to sell stuff. Um, they, they use our e-commerce APIs to like get products, create orders, all of those things. And then the other big segment of customers is on the fintech side uh, where they want to get access to a lot of this business data in e-commerce platforms and in accounting platforms to basically get like a better view of the company and the financial health of the company um, to use in underwriting uh, or like lending or, you know, credit cards, all kinds of different use cases there. Got it. Um, I always like to kind of learn from folks that, um, you know, kind of have the, the moxie to go found something like uh, what got you to this point? What, you, what got you thinking about trying to solve these problems? And uh, I don't know, this might, might sound jerky, but like, you know, why should our community of listeners uh, take your idea seriously? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, that we, we've, we've been through many ideas that definitely should not be taken seriously. So um, we, we started out uh, basically in YC doing something completely different. Um, it was a dev tool for translation, actually, like a, a kind of an internationalization tool. Um, we then, you know, basically built that, realized, you know, some things weren't working and started pivoting for a long time, uh, kind of wandered the desert for like two years um, trying to figure things out. And I think eventually for us, because we, my co-founder and I are both engineers, we had been kind of building these different apps that required integration into other tools uh, and realized at some point um, that we were doing the same thing over and over again. Um, we had seen what was happening in the space with new universal APIs like payroll ones and 
of course, Plaid that, that, that did this for banking and felt that we could just try to do one for e-commerce platforms. And that's kind of where we started. Um, and so we did that. We weren't entirely sure who would use it at the beginning, but we then kind of reached out to many, many different kinds of developers on the Shopify app store to see you know, who was interested in getting their app on other platforms uh, and found some of these customer segments that I mentioned and then went from there. Got it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, this notion of like aggregation platforms around APIs to sort of address, um, you know, the diversity of consistency that you experience. Uh, seems like there's kind of this pick, you know, pick a segment and be good at it. But the idea that you can be good at all the things is too broad and that there's been, you know, not a lot of big success stories that came out of that. Uh, and I love that you mentioned Plaid. I, I feel like that's that's the thing that's kind of inspired everyone to try to go solve this in particular sort of verticals. It's interesting. So, uh, you know, I already started hinting at, I guess, the things I've heard before, but I'm curious from your perspective, like, um, you know, what's hard about trying to integrate with multiple providers um, in terms of consuming those APIs and, you know, the engineering challenges it presents? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of challenges when it comes to integrating with uh, many different APIs, but I would say probably the, the two biggest ones for me are one, dealing with, um, generally speaking, there's definitely some APIs out there that are more tech forward and companies that are more tech forward, like Shopify is a great API. So those are pretty straightforward to do. But then when you have to um, you know make them work with APIs that are like more nightmarish, like Amazon's API that uses like reports to get data, uh, or you know, or you know, async requests that take minutes to to finish instead of like a few seconds to finish. That's when you run into challenges standardizing the APIs. So that's you know a huge problem. Uh, and then secondly, when you deal with these APIs and fetch data like we are, and 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 kind of like standardizing it, you have to deal with many different kinds of rate limits. Um, and building a system that can handle a lot of these different errors, um, permission errors, rate limit errors, um, you know transient errors for these APIs, that's, uh, it, takes a, it takes a lot to basically maintain that system. Yeah, that's, that's the bit where um, I think, you know, we talked a lot on the show here to folks that like build APIs, right? They've been running some sort of program. And, um, you know, we talked a ton about, you know, what's important uh, and it's like, you know, design and language and you know, uh, some of these scaling factors and all that, but it's like, what are the errors like? You know, how many times does that come up? Not very often, and it should, probably should be a lot more. Um, so it's it's interesting, though, that on one hand, you're having to sort of consolidate what is sort of a model to represent this concept across multiple things. Uh, and then on the other side is, how do you present the flow of errors in uh, sort of a consistent fashion? Um, Seems like two pretty different problem spaces, though. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we've we spent a lot of time on on both ones, and I think for the first one with the consolidation and standardization of information, um, that's really just a lot of iteration. Like you can try, you basically just start with the the most simple to use API and kind of go from there. And then when you talk to different users and they want more fields or they want to change certain things, that's kind of how you learn eventually kind of what the ideal output looks like. So it's definitely kind of a process of learning for us. Um, I think on the error side, yeah, we spent a lot of time working with you know various errors. I think some APIs 
they've sent us errors um, where some of the messages have been in different languages. So like a, you know, a Dutch error message um, saying that you can't access the store's permission. Um, we've had to kind of learn over time how, how to handle all of those. Yeah, the error message that tells you you've selected the wrong language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's an intriguing spot to be in that you go, okay, I've looked at all these different sort of data models that these different APIs provide. And, um, you know, it's, it's like the meta design problem of how do you come up with something good? Uh, it, it's like, you know, your worst problem in that scenario is that you end up producing something that is the sum of all of its parts that's worse than any one of them. Uh, so from a kind of API design perspective, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for us, you know, I think, I think I, a big, big part of this is just learning. And so we start with kind of what is the gold standard. So in, for example, e-commerce APIs, gold standard is Shopify. Um, and we, can we use that as kind of a skeleton? Um, and then we basically figure out, we try to not include too many fields because it's kind of overwhelming for people to like learn what all the fields mean. Uh, but over time, we do add some based off of user feedback. So we try to basically make it more and more useful. Um, but as you mentioned, like you also just can't dump everything in there. Um, and so the way that we've kind of got around this is we allow our users of the API to also uh, get direct access to some of these underlying APIs that we're connected to. We give them the tokens. Uh, and so that allows them in, in certain situations where they need to make direct calls or get something unique or specific to them, um, make a direct call to the Shopify or Amazon API and, and do, what they, do what they need to do. So we try to make as much standardization as possible. Um, but then for some off cases, you know, we allow the flexibility of like using the API directly. Yeah, no, I think um, it's like do you, uh, when folks think about these things, I'm always like, take the least common denominator approach. <laughs> the the, yeah. the least least number of common things. Don't try to do the mash them all together uh, to get all the things because that's never going to work out. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned like uh, rate limiting and some of these things. I, I also think about like... Um, you know, one of the consumption problems folks run into a lot is sort of almost hardwiring their infrastructure to some external API. And then when it goes down, everything just, you know, uh, totally falls apart. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of availability factor, like sort of the, you know, buffer for that, like, um, are, are you guys providing anything like that? And then I guess, what would your sort of recommendations on the right ways to approach those things be? Yeah, I think um, for us, we what we do is we actually take in all the data from these different APIs and then and then store it and then standardize it on our end. So we're making that available directly to our database, to our users. Um, so the good thing is that if an API goes down, let's say like Shopify or one of these other platforms, um, people can still fetch data from us. Um, um, we just won't be able to kind of update that while the other API is down. Uh, and also post requests won't work because, you know, we can't, we can't make those requests to the external API. So, I think that's actually a tactic that a lot of um, consumers of APIs use. We've talked to people who've built integrations with QuickBooks and Shopify, these different platforms, and they do something similar where they store the data um, to avoid downtime, but also um, to, to avoid some of the rate limits of kind of refetching the data over and over again. So that's a, a big thing that we do. 
So here's a, uh, I don't want to call a hot take, but probably a contentious question to ask someone in your position. But like, you know, I, I've been in software a long time, you know, since 90s uh, .com bubble, right? And seeing these kind of trends come and go of like an industry standardizing on one thing. And, and I look in modern era to like in, say, healthcare, you got like the Fire API uh, spec, right? Like, mm-hmm. Do you see that like some more of these kind of verticals might start moving toward um, standardizing on things? And, uh, and is that like what we should be doing? Uh, and, or do you think folks like yourself are leading the way f- toward that? Yeah, it's that. Yeah. I mean, that's a super interesting question. I think, um, from, from what I've seen, uh, there like, whereas in other fields, I've also noticed, I think in messaging and communications, there's been kind of these more standard protocols and APIs to use messenger, iMessage, all of those things. I haven't, we haven't seen the same thing develop yet in the e-commerce world or the accounting world. Um, so, I don't think there's like a, a body that's kind of leading that effort. Um, I think like from what we see, it's it's it's, def- it's, it's definitely more similar to the, the the banking where it's been more fragmented and unless kind of the a body steps in, um, there won't be much unification. And I think in the e-commerce and accounting world, there's no like government that's wanting to come in and help out there. So for now, I think like for us, we're kind of trying to do the work to make people's lives easier. Um, but if there is kind of a buy that, that kind of steps in to deliver some additional value or standardization, I think we'd make use of that uh, and then just kind of look for other places where there's there's not that and try to be a universal API. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in this particular kind of vertical. It, I mean, I will say that, like, sure, governments can step in and regulate things. And that is certainly a source of why people would do these things. Um, sort of portability and operability in some areas can be like a driver that's more organic or that, you know, companies will come together around, but, uh, it's hard to imagine a world in which e-commerce driven platforms come together and agree on one way to do things. They're all trying to differentiate themselves. Uh, so yeah. it seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people go, well, it's an API and you get the data, like, let's make it all standard, but the differentiators are expressed in that API. Right. So like, uh, you know, unless they all have some homogenous, consistent offering, then that's pretty unlikely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So in um, sort of working in this e-commerce space and APIs, um, you know, you're dealing with some huge platforms, right, Uh, with millions of developers involved. And um, I mean, I've, you know, like I worked at PayPal for a while and got a, a taste for what that's like. Right. And it's, it's hard to know sometimes what you're doing right or wrong. And uh, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, when you look at all these different APIs, like what do you think these API providers could be doing differently that would make that experience better for everyone? Yeah, there's, yeah. I've, I mean, I have man, I have so many thoughts about this because I've seen so many um, kind of like difficult APIs to work with. Um, I would say, I would say, I think generally speaking, um, the APIs that we struggle to work with the most are the ones that are, they still really haven't adopted kind of like more modern standards like REST or, you know, and, and, and basically JSON. Sometimes we work with a lot of XML APIs that, um, you know, if you're a new developer familiar with JSON and new APIs, trying to integrate something that has an XML SOAP API is just like, you know, that's just, some, just something else. So I think 
be, be keeping up with kind of the standards of API is something that like we'd really like to see people do. And then um, generally, I think documentation is super important for us. It's super important. You know, we we spend a lot of time just like making sure everything is up to date. Uh, you know, the worst thing for us is being is looking at an API's documentation, trying it out, and then realizing that it's like not what's written there, and, and being like, oh my god, now I have to figure out like let me just figure it out like from scratch how this whole API works. So that's also uh, a big deal and, and something that we actually do see like in the, out there in the world. You know, it's funny. I can't help but reflect. I've been, you know, doing this API stuff for a long time that if I'd asked this question in like 2012, I bet I'd get the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm tired of the SOAP and XML stuff. This new REST thing looks like it's a lot better to work with. And uh, can we move to JSON because XML stinks to work with? And, uh, you know, quit sending me PDFs with old specs. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, I don't know. Some things never change. <laughs> and it's yeah. hard to believe that in, you know, 2022 coming into 23, like uh, we're still dealing with a lot of SOAP and XML stuff. It's hard to believe. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was honestly surprised by some of that as well. Um, I, I think some, some companies, maybe they just um, have something that's working and they don't really want to you know, update it. But of course, that kind of the trade off that, you know, you won't see a lot of new development in the, in your ecosystem. So I think, uh, yeah, people are kind of still trying to adjust. Yeah, for sure. Uh, API develops not cheap. I don't, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody. Yeah. And hey, if you're making money and it works, why change it? I get it. But um, it's interesting, though, on the on the docs that you point out, just simple accuracy, just like do the docs actually reflect what the thing does? uh yeah. it's it's uh it's remarkable and i think the advent of like uh you know open api and these kinds of things you know pr giving you a way to sort of generate documentation based on the spec that you also use to you know generate your implementation um you know seems to have been the the thing that's made that better broadly speaking uh mm -hmm. you know but even then within examples and guides and things it could still be off so yeah it's hard I'm curious in kind of, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of this sort of the financial component here and, and not necessarily payments specifically, but um, I'm curious with, you know, the, the fintech space has just been really frothy the last few years um, and, and lots of kind of API approaches to those things. Like, um, you know, what are you seeing in kind of the direction of where all that stuff is going and uh, what's interesting to you? Yeah, I think uh, at least we're we're positioned kind of in the fintech world. Fintech world is, you know, so big and, and, and growing so so quickly. Um, I would say there's I think like consumer fintech was was definitely revolutionized like a few years ago um, because you know Plaid basically made banking data and access to banks available to a lot of other apps. So that like changed the game definitely. Uh, and I think now, you know, different different people are catching up and I think in Europe there's open banking as well. Um, so like the need for the aggregator is like a lot, a lot less now. Um, I would say something similar is definitely happening in the business slash commercial realm of things. So when it comes to business lending, you know, versus consumer lending or kind of business um, financial software tools uh, versus like consumer kind of like personal financial tools, I think there's a lot of development going there because there's a lot of neo banks as well and kind of like spend management tools like Ramp and Brex and all of that stuff. So all of these kind of business management tools or business financial tools require some level of access to business data, whether it's accounting or e-commerce data or payments data. Um, and so that's where we've been basically operating and, and we see a lot of growth there. Yeah, very interesting. Um, 
I guess what are some examples of, uh, I think you maybe named one in there, but like, what are some examples yeah. of things? Yeah, I would say, uh, for example, I think a big one is uh, business lending. I think um, during, during COVID as well, there was like a big period where people were offering SMB loans, PPP loans to help out mm -hmm. businesses. And a lot of underwriting is being done. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of companies want to underwrite faster um, with, with better data. So they kind of that's where getting access to QuickBooks uh, financial statements or, you know, Stripe revenue numbers, like that's where that's helpful. Um, I, I think you probably you might have seen some new startups where they're able to kind of convert your MRR into ARR and, and these kinds of like financial products. And uh, that's they also need to underwrite on some subscriptions data or some financial data as well. Um, and then I think the other thing that we've been seeing is we work with a company uh, called Ramp um, that provides credit cards to companies. And, you know, they also need to underwrite um, how much credit to give to a company, um, which also requires data. So we also help out there. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, uh, Eric, any other uh, closing thoughts here for us on uh, API aggregation, e-commerce, fintech? You know, we covered a lot of things here. Uh, any other thoughts for listeners here? Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, I think we covered a lot, but I, I, you know, generally the the process of like of you know building APIs is is, is tough. Um, you know, learning all these different kinds of documentations and, and formats, um, and so I think for us, a big part of what we're doing is is that, um, but also you know being able to scale um, because maybe you know like someone would co would go look at an aggregator and be like, I can build you know ten APIs even if they're all different, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but for us, the goal is to eventually, you know, hit 100, 200, 500 APIs. Uh, and that's kind of the more that we have, the more value we deliver. Um, so a big part of our system is just being able to scale um, our APIs and kind of repeatedly generate, you know, scaffolding, um, templating to allow our team to, you know, ship new integrations quickly. So that's a big part of what we do as well and a way that we want to help. Very cool. Well, uh Thanks again, uh, Eric, for joining us and, and sharing, so much with, sharing so much about what you guys do at Rudder. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason, uh, for having me. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.